Morning. So five weight loss myths debunked that could be holding you back. Good morning. Hope we are all good. If you're coming in, give me a replay below. If you are um, coming in live, give me a hello. So in the next three to five minutes, I'm going to go over five myths that could be holding us back when it comes to fat loss, fitness, gaining good habits. And on the first one is habits. So one of the myths is that bad habits are harder to break. So bad habits are harder to break. Now, the truth is your brain doesn't actually know the difference between a good habit and a bad habit. It's actually how we label them, which the good news on that is that actually bad habits are no harder to break than good habits, but also we can be empowered by this form. Now, what we need to do here is the reason we have habits, if you think back, and the reason we're it's essentially the reason we're alive now is we've, we've learnt a way to essentially learn things so we can forget them. So it takes up less brain power. And when I say forget, I, what I actually mean is remember them using a different part of the brain, which means it takes less willpower. I'll give you an example of this. Hey, Olympia. I'll give you an example of this. Let's say you focus on getting your fitness level right first. So you're going to get into good routine with your exercise habits first so that that becomes almost natural and quote unquote easy. Then what we do by default from there is then we can add in the food because the fitness side of it is easy or vice versa. But already what we can see here is actually that we cannot distinguish in good and bad habits and actually breaking them down defeats overwhelm. And I spoke about overwhelm the other day. And I'm going to get you to think about this really super quickly in a different way now, in that we've got to flip this so that we act in a way that pr promotes how we want to feel rather than act in a way that is the result of how we are currently feeling. I'll say that again. So we want to act in a way that promotes how we want to feel rather than act in a way based on how we are feeling. Because remember, our habits have got us to where we are now. Where we are now is a reflection of our habits over the, over the last 30, 60, 90, 120 days and beyond. The good news is where we want to go is a reflection of what we do today. And that's all that exists. So how can we identify with where we want to be in the future? Well, we've got to actually set that goal first and foremost 83 percent of people don't actually do this and have a goal then we've got to write it down only three percent of people write it down and when you write it down you have something to be disciplined to otherwise we just have these unrealistic expectations which are maybe based on years ago when we didn't have as much responsibility as we have today which can lead us round and round in a circle failing going backwards shutting our eyes and maybe hoping that the problem goes away but the problem will actually compound and get worse when we open our eyes again so let's simplify that down. Make one thing you're going to do today that if you did it today, would make everything else easier or unnecessary. It's got to be super simple. Don't make it hard. It's got to be so simple that you almost look at it and think it's pointless. Okay, that's your target for today. On to number two. I could go on that all day. It's actually in this week's, in this month's newsletter. Um, sweet potatoes are better than white potatoes. This one comes up a lot. And what I want to say on this one is a quick one here is that like for like, that calorie for calorie, they're pretty much the same. Uh, they ha both have different benefits too, if you like. Sweet potato, higher in vitamin A, for example. White potato, higher in potassium, for example. They both have their pros and cons. If you're using all your willpower switching white potato for sweet potato, you might want to consider that actually, when you look at the facts, the calories, the nutrition of it, 
maybe getting a blend, maybe having a few of each, or just having the one that you enjoy could actually be all right. And actually, we're just looking into the minutiae too much of this. Just wanted to bring that up. One thing to add is you may, you may have butter on your white potato, you may not have butter on your sweet potato. So indirectly, you may be saving calories by going to a sweet potato. But that's personal preference. Um, are, number three is, are low-fat yogurts high in sugar? Hey, Faye, are low-fat yogurts high in sugar? This one comes up a lot as well. And in general, it really depends. But if you go for a natural Greek-style yogurt, they're often just contain more protein, more calcium, because there's more of the yogurt in it. They've just strimmed away the fat. So it's often the same, exactly the same, right? If you want to have a 200 ml pot, you've got full fat yogurt, you've got low fat yogurt. What they do is they strim away the fat, then they add more yogurt in. So they add more yogurt in, and all of a sudden now we have more protein and more calcium and everything that goes with the milk to turn it into yogurt. However, if you're going in towards more like Muller yogurt, some of the low-fat ones there, yes, they will add some sugar in to cater for that. Um, but again, it comes down to calories and protein is a way to keep, your, keep you more full. And so you might want to look at that in terms of if you like Greek yogurt and you don't really mind that it's zero fat or that might be an option to lower your calories, increase your protein, but full fat is fine too. It's your over intake over the day. So it doesn't necessarily matter because, you know, people come to me and said, I'm so confused. I'm told I need to avoid fat because of this, my cholesterol, but I'm told to have low fat yogurt. But then they said, watch it. You can't have them because you're, you're pre-diabetic and they're high in sugar. So it's all about these things, considering that. And actually just debunking that actually your over intake is the key thing not these minutiae. Next one is um, that I have to drink two litres of water a day. Now, this is only half, half, half a myth, but two litres, any, when, whenever you hear like a real specific recommendation that isn't based on someone's body weight or height, etc., you've just got to know that these are just that, a very little estimate. Because you've got to consider that someone who's like six foot, and weighs like double or 50 kilos more than someone who's five foot is probably going to need more fluid, right? They're probably going to need more water intake. Plus then you've got herbal teas and things like that. And people say, oh, can I have that? Can I have sugar-free squash? Hey, Sarah. And all these are fine, right? All these are absolutely fine. It's about thinking about what the alternative is. Now, a really simple way, if you wanted to more personalize it for you, is are you having free clear weeds a day, like clearish? Um, are you weighing clear by noon, roughly? You know, that's probably a good idea. A good way to make sure that you're actually remembering to drink water would be have a glass of water before every meal. You know, then you'll never forget. Hey, Stella. Hey, Sarah. So I hope that helps. I can't remember what number I'm on, but I'm going to add one on anyway. Should I be aching after every workout? The answer is probably no. Um, although some people love aching and they go, oh, that's a sense of achievement. Or they say, you know, if I'm, if I'm aching, I haven't worked hard enough. What I want you to consider with this is, is actually, this is dependent on many things. It could be your sleep, it could be your diet, your recovery. All these things might depend on that. It might not be nothing to do with how hard you've actually worked. Also, all you need to make sure is that your exercise is progressive. So in, if you're doing like resistance style exercise, like we would do in, in certain sessions, that maybe we're squatting a little bit lower. Maybe we're... Um, 
increasing a little bit of resistance on the way. Maybe we're um, going a little bit faster in certain ever areas. These can be 1%. Doesn't matter how big. It could even be that you just maintain for a little bit. You make a progress, you maintain for a little bit. But progressive over time is the key thing. These are all the variables in there. If you're doing that, regardless of whether you're aching or not, you're going to get results anyway. But aching is a very um, subjective thing as well, right? Someone, you might speak to someone and they might go, yeah, I'm, I'm aching everywhere. Someone else might be feeling the same, but maybe they were expecting it from exercise or they ached more before. So they then say they're not aching. And then you think there's something wrong with you and vice versa. So you've got to consider it's very much down to perception in you. And don't define whether a workout was good or not by whether you're aching for days and crawling out of the studio, but rather, or a workout, but rather the fact that one, you did it, give yourself a pat on the back, no matter how small. Compare yourself to yesterday, get 1% better every day. Don't believe everything you read in the Daily Mail. Eat your protein, drink your water. Don't stress, overstress the minutia and you'll be there or thereabouts. And give yourself permission. Sunday, give yourself permission to have what you want. This is a key thing. Give yourself permission to have what you want, but just know the consequences of each. This is what I talk about a lot and we'll be talking about more in the Food Freedom Programme that we start in September. It's all around comfort eating relationship with food. Anyway, enough of that. Enjoy your Sunday. Hope that helped with those five slash six myths debunked. And uh, any questions, let me know. Comment below if there's anything that you want me to cover at all. And I will see you soon. Take care.